Ladies and gentlemen, Happy New Year. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. Do you realize that? The whole world got crazy. Showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to movie podcast for all things concerning the world of cinema. We discuss movie news, movie rumors, and those ever-important movie rumblings, and then we break it on down. For our chosen movie of the week, fret not, spoiler phobes, we will give you ample warning before we head into that dreaded spoiler territory. And make sure you stick around for the end of our show for the weekly recommends. Also, be sure to check out our website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com, where you can find little tidbits about us, email, Twitter, and uh, things that aren't available on the mere iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, but make sure you check that out as well. But Brian, this week's chosen movie of the week is... This week's movie of the week is Angelina Jolie's Unbroken. Keep going the way you're going, you'll end up as a bum on the street. You train. You fight harder than those other guys, and you win. You can take it. You can make it. You can do this, Lou. You just got to believe you can. It's not Tomb Raider 2? Mm, uh, that was going to be our bonus episode, remember? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Lots of requests. So uh, we were just trying to give the people what they want. Has there ever been a more like throwaway franchise than that? <laughs> like Those made a lot of money. Like, those might as well not exist. Yeah. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Uh, that, that ranks high in my echelon of trilogies or no, <laughs> like, I don't know awful. if you know if they like, made it. I'm just kidding. I hate They weren't slops, but they yeah. just yeah. don't no exist. No one cares. Yeah. yeah. At one point, I owned the uh, the first Tomb Raider on DVD because back in the day, I would just go to – because I, I went to college in a town that uh, is not really a town. And the only <laughs> thing that we could do would be go to Hastings, which if uh-huh. you don't know what a Hastings is, it's like Blockbuster plus uh, Best and Buy <laughs> and then divided by – 12. Um, it's a very, it, you know, it's fine. But they would sell their used DVDs like three, four, fifteen dollars and stuff like that. And so I just had this huge collection of not great movies because they were cheap and I didn't have anything else to spend my money on. And uh, at some point, I remember taking a bunch of those movies into probably half price books, but maybe some other sort of, you yeah. know, buy and sell movies and books and stuff like that. And <laughs> the guy, you know, I wasn't getting much for any of it, but he had a stack of like three or four movies, and one of them was Tomb Raider. And he was like, "Yeah, we can't sell those." And I was like, "You know what? Just go ahead and keep them." And walked out, just left them <laughs> on the shelf. And I was like, "I would rather not. I, I'd rather you throw them away than me." So here you go. Great. Well, they, well they've made like eight uh, Resident Evils, so <laughs> and they, Corey's they won. seen them all. They won the <laughs> yeah. contest. Opening weekend of all of them. Has Mila Jovovich <laughs> done anything besides? Resident Evil for the past 10 years. I mean, honestly, I don't, has I she been like on the set of Resident Evil movie. for 10 years straight? <laughs> she yelled at me. I went and saw her, her band in concert and uh, oh, yeah. she yelled at a group of us in the front row for not, not being into it enough. Oh, and then, she left, play, uh, then left. She played very like singer songwritery sort no, of kind of punk or, rocky. I told her she was no, that's what I figured. I told her she was no Juliet and the licks. when I walked out, <laughs> said Juliet Lewis's <laughs> band is way better than this. <laughs> Try to guess the Rotten Tomato score for Lara Croft Tomb Raider 2001. 36%. Richard? 71%. Ooh. 
nineteen percent. Oh, I thought it would man. be high. I now guess now now bad. guess their Rotten Tomatoes score for Lara Croft Tomb Raider: The Cradle of Life, two thousand three. Nine percent. Thirty-four percent. Ooh, it's close. Twenty-four percent. Oh, so apparently, Lara Croft Tomb Raider: The Cradle of Life, superior <laughs> film. Which one is Daniel Craig in? Is he the first or the second? I, can't. I don't see Daniel Craig here. Uh, first one, John Voight, of course. Yeah. yeah. Of course. In there. Uh, Gerard Butler, speaking. actually, in the second one. Tomb Raider was like 2001, is that yes, right? Yes, that's, that's Daniel Craig. He was in, yeah, so he was in the first one. And Gerard Butler, you said, was the yes. replacement? Yes. And Dajman Hansu. <laughs> no. My personal favorite, Dajman. Love that guy, <laughs> but he doesn't make great movies a lot. Um <laughs> The second one is directed by the director of Speed 2 Cruise Control. <laughs> so you know it's good. <laughs> uh, back to yeah. Mila Jovovich. She yeah. did jump off the uh, Resident Evil bandwagon in time to do 2011's The Three Musketeers featuring Orlando Bloom <laughs> and also directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. So uh, good good work there. Christoph she's married Waltz. to him, I think. I think she's married to Paul W.S. Anderson. Well, and we should pray for her. Yeah. I mean, let's... Uh, yeah, the the important <laughs> the important uh, the important Paul D- Paul Anderson. Yeah, <laughs> the superior Paul Anderson. Yeah, absolutely. How often do you think PT Anderson offers that guy money to change his name? <laughs> anything else? Just, yeah, he's 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 married. Or to how much money do you think Paul W S Anderson is making off Paul Thomas Anderson? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he gets a lot of work. Oh yeah, we get Paul W S Anderson yeah. to direct it. <laughs> or you the know, sad thing he, is, I bet Paul W S Anderson is worth. Five times as much as PT. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. What's funny is you know he doesn't correct people at parties either. No, no. Like yeah. like oh Paul Anderson, you're director. Oh my gosh, you did you did uh Magnolia Boogie Nights. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so <we're, laughs> yeah. You mean, uh, he just lets it exactly. stay out there. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, at least don't do those god awful Tomb Raider or movies or anything like that or uh, Resident Evil. It's a win win for both because Paul Thomas Anderson just gets to make fun of Paul W S Anderson every time <laughs> he gets called that. Be like, nope, that wasn't me. That was uh, some d bag <laughs> who won't change his name. Uh, and the other guy gets to claim credit for Boogie Nights. So Mila Jovovich has dated two directors, Luke Besson and Paul W. Sanderson. So she's oh. a Louis Letty, she's a Louis Letty A. Ray from the trifecta. <laughs> what I would like to see happen is some sort of challenge where um, maybe Paul W. S. Anderson is forced to direct his version of Boogie Nights, perhaps, and P.T. Anderson gets to make his own Resident Evil, and just, I don't know, they come out within a month of each other, and we compare them. I think yeah, it's like Grindhouse. Fun. It's like a second yeah. anniversary Grindhouse. Yes, exactly. Double, double feature. Come on. Yeah. I'm so, time, uh, I guess we should move on and talk about POWs, guys. <laughs> that's, uh, uh, that's, your Paul w- no. that's your Paul Anderson talk for yeah. the week. It, it's, it's rare that we can talk about an Angelina Jolie movie uh, that she's not starring in. Uh, where she'll she'll probably oh, be the main topic her. of the conversation. Okay. That thought, wasn't her. No, that I was, thought she uh, pulled another Beowulf on us. And- <laughs> Maybe we'll get to talk about her acting when Salt Two comes out. <laughs> oh God, I, didn't, I did not make it even. I didn't make it through Salt, so it's not good. So bad. <laughs> First real big directorial film for Angelina Jolie. Uh, apparently, something that she wants to continue doing and and focusing more on. And uh, we'll discuss later, of course, when we talk Unbroken, uh, whether it's a bright future ahead for her or if she should just stop now. Uh, So look forward to that. And uh, we're also going to talk American Treasures today. It's the first episode of the month and the year, for that matter. 
Happy uh, 2015, fellas. Feels weird Yay. to say that, but it, it always does. It almost still feels like 2014. <laughs> yeah, it does. Before we do that, let's talk a little bit of movie news, guys. Movie news. Yes! Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. Brian Gill, what do we have on the docket uh, for today? We have a little bit of Justin Lin news, I believe. Justin Lin news, guys. Yeah, so right after we finished our podcast last week, we discovered that our, our dear friend, Justin Lin, the uh, the patriarch of the Fast and Furious family, I would say. Uh, you're right. Uh, I don't know if I'd go patriarch. There's only one person that can be the that's patriarch. True. That's the true. Patriarch. <laughs> Hold on, the patriarch. <laughs> but our dear friend, Justin Lin, is set to direct Star Trek 3, which we don't have a title for, I don't, I don't think. But uh, the third installment of the reinvigorated Star Trek franchise has been passed around a little bit. We thought it was going to be uh, what's the guy's name? Robert Orky? Orky? Yes. Aubrey? Yes. I'm yep. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's Star Trek Three: Tokyo Drift. I think. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All the better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have mis- I have mixed feelings about this, guys. Yes. Let's let's hear those, Richard. Um. I love Justin Lin, and I love what he's done with the Fast franchise, and I love the Star Trek films so far, and I, I have full faith that he'll make a very uh, exciting... I think he is a very talented director, um, and I think he'll make a great third film in the series. But we've got this kind of uh, this big-time Fast finale that we have to have, whether it's going to be one, two, three, nine films, or whatever it's going to be, and I, I want him to be involved, and I, want, I don't want this to take away from, from that. Wasn't it going to be 10? I think they yeah. announced that they're going to do so, till 10 and then it's so up in be, the air. Then it's so it's a three-part finale. Apparently, but, something but like that. I really want Lynn at least on one of those films and Star yeah. Trek's a pretty big endeavor. I don't want to uh Well, I'm guessing they'll take a break from doing I mean, think about how long the production ended up taking for Fast 7. You know, um, well, yeah, but that's just because the, the one of the main stars. Died. Well, well, I mean, they of course. I mean, well, I'm sure everyone involved wants to take at least take a yeah. break. So, I mean, I'm sure that's what he, he's going to be doing during the break is so. shooting Star Trek. I'm sure. I'm sure they're going to start shooting Star Trek like pretty soon, <laughs> like within yeah. within the month or you right. know a couple. I'm sure they're probably doing pre pro right now and you know all that. But sure. um, uh, I think he'll return for Fast Eight. I would I would be very surprised if. If he did something else, I mean, but he's done, he's done a lot for, for the fast series. I'd be interested to see another director take over fast. If it's somebody competent, if it's not a Louis lady, or a Paul W S Anderson, people, you know, yeah, this, uh, this inherent vice as much as I love the book is not getting the best reviews for a PTA film. Maybe it's be a cool way to refresh his slate by joining Dom and the boys. Oh, <laughs> PTA. Just like uh, a long take, like a 20-minute yeah. <laughs> long take of Dom uh, walking I, down the street. I'm, I'm excited. I'm breathless thinking about it. <laughs> like zooms in on the beer as he swigs it, yeah. puts it down at the bar. And we watch, and then it, the camera glides across to the barbecue of like meats just sizzling. <laughs> One thing we do know about this. This is Roller Girl. <laughs> <laughs> One thing we do know about the Star Trek film with Justin Lin is it'll have great action scenes. He, he set the new aesthetic starting with the fourth film, yeah. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The question is, uh, can he bring the lightheartedness or sure. even humor that J.J. Abrams brought to Star Trek? 
And uh, I'm interested to see where it can go. I think Star Trek uh, is at a point now where it can kind of branch off and do its own thing. Yeah. It doesn't have to be necessarily like the first two for it to be a good movie or something different. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm I'm just glad somebody who has actually directed a film is going to – or directed many films yeah, that we've stuff. enjoyed sure. or that have made money at least um, that's going to be taking it over. So. I'm sure he has a passion for the project too. You know, a lot at this point as a director, you got to um, feel guilty if you're not passionate about Star Trek and you're going to do a Star Trek film. I don't, I, you know, you wouldn't want to ruin a good thing. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. And um, it'll be good for that franchise too. I think to have a slightly different voice um, from, from JJ, I think that's a good thing for them. And uh, you know what? Fast six is a really funny movie. Like I rewatched yeah, that yeah. really recently and it has a, it's such a great tone to it. So I, I don't think there's any, I don't think I'll have any problem uh, adding to that to inst- within star Trek. I need to rewatch fast six again. Cause it might end up being my favorite when it's all said and done. And I love fast five. Yeah. Brian and I have made that, you know, part of our <laughs> vernacular. Right. Yeah. We both but. have large tattoos across our backs. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for Justin Lin. Eventually guys, I'm calling it to get involved in Marvel. Or with Marvel, that would be interesting. That would be very interesting. You know, he's it's, real smart on what he's what he does and what he doesn't do because he could have taken that Terminator movie, which looks yeah. terrible. So, and he you didn't. Know, does Inhumans have a director yet? Ooh. I'm not sure, but I hear Vin, Vin Diesel is involved. Exactly, he's like released a picture, like supposedly a subtle hit, and it's literally Vin Diesel wearing an Inhumans T-shirt. It's like, wow. <laughs> a lot of mystery there, Vin. Yeah. You'll never guess who my next project is. Um, but uh, so that'd be cool. Reunite, get the family back together. It would be all. I'm, I'm glad to see Vin doing more Marvel stuff. We were hoping, you know, there were rumors forever. Oh, Vin is going to be in the Avengers. Vin is going to be Ultron and all these, all this crazy stuff. Ended up he was Groot in Guardians, which was awesome. But we were all hoping that he would do something where he could say more than just I am Groot. Or actually, mm-hmm. be on screen uh, because he's he's b- literally genetically engineered for blockbusters. So uh, I want to see Vin in Star Trek. How about that? Yes, I'll do that. I'll, I'll see Vin in anything. Whatever you want to do, Vin. I'm there. <laughs> Unless it's another Pitch Black. Yes. Um, cool. <laughs> I mean, let's no be more honest. Riddick. I'll be there. I'll, no I'll more be Riddick. Not happy about it afterwards, but I'll I'll still be there. I he, want another triple. I never X. turn my back on. Fear. No, he has another movie that's kind of like Riddick that's coming out soon. Oh, what is it called? The Last Witch Hunter. The Last Witch Hunter. That's what it's called. Well, it's got Elijah Wood in it too, so that's got to be good. I'm going to read you guys the tagline. Are you ready for this? Okay. The last remaining witch hunter battles against an that's uprising me. of witches in modern day New York. Oh, so that's priest. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. The Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker stunt cast casting was a little weird. But <laughs> <laughs> to you. And Kathy and Jimmy or whatever the third one was. But guys, guys, the movie is directed by the same guy who brought us 2005's Sahara. So <laughs> I feel pretty good about it. McConaughey's peak as an actor. Yeah, the, o- <laughs> the, O'Malley, star- uh, the O'Malley Steve Zahn starring uh, yeah. Masterpiece. Uh huh. Yeah. Yes. Penelope Cruz at her least intelligible. 
So did, did, did Penelope Cruz win an Oscar for any of that for like Vicky Cristina Barcelona or anything? I don't think so. Did I she? Know she was nominated. I, yeah, she she did Oscar. win an Oscar. She did. Yeah, she did. So for... that movie stars two Oscar winners. <laughs> yeah. For Vic, you get you had it. Vicky Cristina Barcelona. If I told you two people from Sahara won an Oscar. <laughs> you would guess Steve Zahn has an Oscar at this point, right? right? Yeah, Steve Zahn, That's and there's bummer. probably like I don't know, like David Morse or somebody's in that cast. Yeah. Rain Wilson. I mean, Philip. Oh, you mean you mean Backstrom, William H sorry? Macy? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so pumped for Backstrom, guys. You have your DVR yeah. set. He not only is he a crime solver, but he's also a jerk. Totally uncharted territory. It writes itself. Yeah, we we do have also from Vin Triple X, the Return of Xander Cage. Oh, I'm all in <laughs> on that. If that has a good director, I love the first Triple X movie. Let's see who the director is. Especially the second one with Ice Cube. Sorry, it takes a little. No, no director. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, but we have the writer of Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines and 2004's Catwoman. Oh, oh no! Oh god! <laughs> the only way I'm seeing that now is if Vin directs himself in it. Yeah. <laughs> the only two people cast in Triple X: The Return of Xander Cage are Vin Diesel and Sam Jackson. Uh, Sam Jackson will do anything yeah. that's been proven. Here's how that pit went, pitch went. Sam, I've got a fi- I'm in. <laughs> you want to hear? Nope. How much nope. money? <laughs> he has eight movies in production or filming or at least announced right now. Yeah. In 71 Capital One commercials. <laughs> <laughs> anything else for movie news? Seems to be it. Yeah. Pretty slow these days. We Pretty got slow. to the bottom of a lot of stuff there. Great news cast, <laughs> fellas. Great news. I would bet there's not a single other podcast that at this date did 20 minutes on Paul Anderson versus uh, <laughs> W.S. Anderson. So we can only hope because uh, we're, we're ruining we're ruining enough minds uh, <laughs> for one podcast. Okay, guys, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit of American Treasures. <laughs> Um, before we bring our nominees to the table, guys, we should, of course, fill the new listeners in on what exactly the American treasures are all about. Um, and, but before we do that, we should fill them in on other categories that we don't really nominate on the show. You might have heard us reference on the show a time or two the O'Malley's, right? Uh, which is tonight, for example. Yeah. Uh, or the Pivens. And these are different categories that are similar to American Treasures. O'Malley's being people have, that have American Treasure-like attitudes but haven't necessarily had the American Treasure-type career. Yeah. Right. Uh, things haven't gone their way. They haven't been around for a while. But um, they might just not be that talented, honestly. I mean, that's possible. But they might be awesome people that you would right. definitely want to hang out with yeah. or that are just American freaking treasures. That's right. Look, you don't I mean, I think it's fair to say we don't need none of us want to have a beer with Alec Baldwin. That gets old real fast, yeah. I'm going to guess. But we would all love to sit down and have a beer with Steve's on. Yes, right? yes. Or Michael Malley. Or Michael. Yeah, of course named named, named uh by myself <laughs> after the one Mike O'Malley, the ultimate O'Malley. Yeah. Uh things haven't gone his way. You know, Global Guts was pretty big for a while. <laughs> you know, he had it going. Yes, dear. He was a neighbor on Yes, dear. And uh, had a good run. He was and has uh, shown the up in a writer and co the going to be the executive producer and co-star and showrunner 
of the new Bill Cosby NBC show. Oh, no. But I don't, I don't think that's going to work out yeah, for Mike. it's probably not coming to fruition. <laughs> you mean American came... Treasure Bill Cosby? Oh, yeah. yeah we got to talk about that. <laughs> I heard once O'Malley came, too. He couldn't believe what happened. <laughs> oh, God. Jeez. Uh, so those are the O'Malley's, and there's another category called the Pivens, and these people are the opposite Fairly self-explanatory. American treasures. Very self-explanatory. You don't want to be around them. They have a bad attitude. They're rude. Um, they're not good at what they do, particularly. Um, and they do the same thing in everything they're in. And as mainly. you might guess, they're named after Jeremy Piven. Oh. oh. I thought it was his parents, the improv teachers. <laughs> no. Oh, my fault. You know, it's not necessarily us personally who – which we do uh, – have something against Jeremy Piven. It's just that we've heard everyone in Hollywood – Mutually agrees that Jeremy Piven is the one of the worst human beings yeah. on the face of the earth. It's not cheese anymore. <laughs> it's Gordon Pritchard. So American like Treasures, guys. Throws that cell phone at that gay Asian assistant on Entourage. <laughs> that was un- that was unscripted. I wouldn't know. Still, I haven't seen Entourage. Uh, we need to talk about <laughs> the Entourage trailer real quick. Have either of you seen it yet? No, no, yeah. I haven't watched it. Oh I keep my! Keep forgetting. Gosh. It came out I when I was at my. I was out of town and I had no, uh, you know, no Wi-Fi, so I had very limited access to things. Okay, so you know the fake entourage guy I always tell you, send you guys tweets of. Yes, you know he has like three main jokes, right? It's turtle right. shopping at lids. It's like Ari saying offensive stuff, and then like you know General Axe uh, d bag culture, and then also Vince always says, "Look, if it doesn't work out, we can just move back to Queens and blah blah blah," and it's always like a funny line on his fake tweets about entourage. In the trailer, Vince says word for word, hey, if this doesn't work out, we can just move back to Queens and work at like the pizza place. Not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like how happy was that guy who's been writing that joke for two years and they like basically use it in the trailer? Yeah. Amazing. Well, I can't wait for that episode. It'll be Now You See Me quality uh, it, discussion. Oh, you have to watch the trailer. Sure. You yeah. have to tonight. I'm excited. It's, just the way it opens is unbelievable. So American Treasures has a, a few qualifications here. Uh, you have to be in your said industry or in the public eye for 25 years or 50 years old. Yep. You have to have a sense of humor about yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to be an American citizen. Yes. Uh, those we also are the have only North American treasures. We also have North American treasures from uh, up north. Self-explanatory. We also have a – we have one more wing called the public figure wing. And these people aren't necessarily actors but uh, – like the title says, public figures uh, in the public eye had a significant contribution uh, to American culture. We have arrived, guys. Brian, who is your nominee for tonight? So last time around, I brought us the youngest member of the American Treasures Hall of Fame with Mr. Jason Bateman. Best uh, oh, is in the mail, yeah. my friend. So uh, yes. we'll <laughs> enjoy that. Let us yeah, know when you get mention, that. We should mention that all recipients of once you're voted in the American Treasure by a two, two-thirds majority – Yep. You receive a denim vest with Teddy Roosevelt embroidered on the back. <laughs> and an eagle somewhere. Yeah. We always hide an eagle somewhere in the within the it's hidden. It's watermarked. Vest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> go go ahead, Ryan. So uh Jason Bateman is the youngest member of our of our illustrious Hall of Fame. So I think it's only fitting this time around that I bring an elder to the Hall of Fame. I, I feel like the I'm, oldest. I, wait. I'm not Older sure if he's going to be Mel the oldest. Brooks. He won't be the oldest, oh, okay. but right. it, it is funny that you mentioned Mel Brooks because I, I do feel like I am the uh, – I feel like I is part of my duty here to bring some of the 
aging comedians of the past who have had an impact on possibly on me, but but more so I think on comedians of the day, such as Mr. Mel Brooks, the aforementioned Mel Brooks, who I who I brought to the to the table. Uh, and the is, Gallagher. Yeah. <laughs> most deserving of his uh, his nomination. But I am going to bring uh, an older guy who is a, a a longtime friend of Mel Brooks and I think quite deserves his place as well. I'll just go ahead and throw it out there and then we'll see if I what, what sort of case needs to be made. But I'm going to give you American treasure Carl Reiner. Ah, interesting. Big big part of the Sid Caesar Sid Caesar show. Yeah. Lots of uh, Emmy nominations, all for comedy. Dick Van Dyke show, uh, amongst other things. He's fantastic in the Oceans movies, yes. even even Oceans Twelve, which is not a very good movie, but he's he's solid. As you know always. what? Quick uh, interruption there, Brian. I've been wa- the Ocean movies have been on a lot lately. Uh huh. I actually think Twelve has aged better than Thirteen. Interesting. Okay. Rewatch them again. Like twelve's not good, and the heist is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually funny in a lot of parts. Like it's a good comedy. Sure. And thirteen is just like really out there. I mean, eleven still blows them all away. It's not even yeah. close. But I would say that twelve is officially better than thirteen at this point. Anyway, okay. Something to consider. Too much Julia Roberts in twelve for me. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. But there's some strong lines in twelve. Sure. So anyway, sorry. Continue. Interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to check that out. But he's got he's got a very, very long career. He's been in the movies since – I'm going to find his earliest date. He's been in TV or movies since 1948. He is really – I mean you go through the list of his IMDb and it's like pretty much pick a, a touchstone sort of uh, American comedy – of the last however many years, and he's he's had some impact on it. He's he's appeared wow. on the show. He's been involved in it. He's got a book coming out. He's also very active on Twitter, and he's really interesting on Twitter. And I would not have expected that from uh, from a guy his age. He does great bits anytime he's on on a talk show, uh, Conan or Jimmy Fallon or what have you. He's always really funny and has a great sense of humor about himself. And to this day. Literally every single night, he and Mel Brooks get together and eat dinner and watch TV together and just make jokes. And I, for whatever reason, I feel like that is worth some sort of mention and and should yeah. should give him a bump up. I don't know. The guy's amazing. He's he's very funny. I think there's a lot of uh, comedians today that owe a bit to him and and to that whole class. It's not just him, but uh, Mel Brooks is there, and I feel like uh, I feel like Carl Reiner deserves to be there too. And he was on an episode of Frasier, which has become, for whatever reason, something very important to this this podcast. Right. So uh, okay. there it is. There's my case. Okay, Richard, argument for or against Carl Reiner? I it's hard to argue. I'm a, I'm, I'm a big fan. My mom was a big fan, so it's someone that I grew up with around in my life. Um, nice. It's just, He's got a Larry you know, Sanders show appearance. He so. was on Larry. I can tell you exactly. I could probably quote that entire <laughs> episode. Yeah, that's. I, I think you're going to have my vote there. I, I like you, Brian. Love that generation of comedians. Since Caesar's show gave us so many, uh, gave us Mel Brooks and it gave us Carl Reiner and it gave us Woody Allen. I mean, that show's got a. Yeah. That's like the uh, the Yankees right there, right? Um, there you go. That's uh, that's that's tough to beat. But uh, I do love Carl Reiner. He did give us some Rob Reiner, which should be. <laughs> It's sometimes Who gave a, a good, Spinal Tap, though. You're I mean, right. No, there's a lot of good Car- Rob Reiner. But I'm saying it, it needs to be. You got to right. factor that in. Sure. Um, <laughs> you got to factor in some of the other <laughs> lesser Rob Reiner stuff. But of um, yeah, well, as with everyone, fair. 
That's why we're the committee, right? It's, of course. But I think on the whole, uh, you know, the, definitely it's it, he's a legend. And uh, you're right. They've kind of – I love their relationship uh, as well, Brian, uh, being Brooks and, and, and Reiner. That's adorable and uh, <laughs> and really cool, I think, that those guys are still such buddies. So uh, yeah. – I'm going to I'm going to vote yes, Kent. So your vote Kent as always uh doesn't matter. <laughs> right. But go um, ahead and give it cuz we do like to keep track of who who's in. No, I I would have voted yes. And, and who is I would I would have voted yes for sure. Good. Um no there's yeah. no really argument against that. There's nothing I can say that's going to knock him off American. I mean, if so, he if he, you know, in in 2 years he's Cosbying every person he sees. <laughs> then nice maybe verb. then maybe we'll yeah, it's become a verb. Then maybe we'll have to vote him out. Um, yeah. Or maybe this that, conversation wouldn't happen. Right. But uh, as of right now, today, as, as as it was with Bill Cosby, I should add, uh, he's American treasure. So, okay. boom. Here's how I, I think we should handle the Cosby situation while we're on the subject. I think we remove Bill Cosby from the American treasures, but we add Heathcliff Huxtable. <laughs> oh. I'm down. Yeah, that's an interesting way to do it. But, yeah, it's that's uh, – <laughs> That's a good protest, kind of. It's a good way to do it. It's a good way to do it. So here's my I, – I'm in favor of that. But let me tell you – I know we're done with Carl Reiner, but this is my favorite part of his resume. I'm looking through all of his uh, his nominations and wins for awards and such. He's got 15 primetime Emmy wow. wins or, or nominations. And then if you scroll down a little bit, he also has – he has a t- – he has a Teen Choice Awards nomination for, for – what? <laughs> Along with the rest of the cast of Ocean's 13 for chemistry. So <laughs> I I really hope he has that framed somewhere that uh, he's got – it's not a win, but maybe like some sort of certificate commemorating their nomination. He also has an MTV Movie Award nomination for Best On-Screen Team. So wow, makes me very happy. Carl Reiner, an American treasure. Boom. Boom. Congratulations. Enjoy the best. Richard. Yeah, so I've got one uh, we talked about a little earlier. I don't know if it was on the pod or, or before we got started here, but it's someone that's definitely fits the age and length of career requirement. Someone that has been involved in all aspects of, of filmmaking, especially modern filmmaking. Some would consider him a modern-day Charlie Chaplin. I know I would. And this person is American treasure Sly Stallone. Nice. He has an Academy Award nomination for for writing. Should have gotten one for acting in Copland, I think. And then definitely a sense of humor about himself with everything he's done after 1990. <laughs> yes. So, literally everything about him is a sense of humor about himself at this point. Yeah, he's good on Twitter too, uh, which I always value because it uh-huh. gives you a little insight into the person. And uh, he's Sly freaking Stallone. He's got an Apollo Creed spinoff grandson movie coming out next year because we can't get enough of that Rocky <laughs> universe. But apparently the script is awesome. And it's it's not only Michael B. Jordan, Brian, but it's also the director of Fruitvale Station. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is apparently like an incredible script. <laughs> and, and he's <gasps> and the supporting cast, Rocky Balboa. So don't oh, worry, my. Sly's in it. Great. He gave us Rocky, he gave us Rambo, he gave us The Expendables, which, you know, for better or for worse. And most of all, he's one of the most famous people of my entire lifetime. So uh, American Treasure, Sly Stallone. Brian, what do you think? I am a huge Stallone fan, and I have, I have nothing bad to say about him uh, as far as a personality is concerned. As an actor, not good. 
not good actor, but has had has had very good moments. His awareness, his self awareness, is almost otherworldly. Like he is an example for how to further your career when maybe you don't have that much talent, I guess. Like that's a it's a very strange compliment to pay somebody, but he's he has made he's he's been able to keep himself in the public eye and in a fairly respectable way in spite of a lot of a lot of stuff that probably would have prevented most other actors from from carrying on and being able to to do that sort of stuff. I you know, Schwarzenegger really should be trying to take uh take tips from him because I think this year and the last couple of years have proven that Schwarzenegger is not a bankable anywhere close to a bankable movie star and somehow Stallone still is. Well Sly uh, and has always he's had writing all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah, he generates he's his writing own writing all material. that so he, he's he's generating his own stuff and he's he's bring in way more money even on modest hits because he's writing all this stuff so uh, i yeah dude stallone's got my vote and uh that's a strange he's a strange actor to put in because again i don't think he's a very good actor most of the time but he i mean he's had great he's had some great moments but but he's he's almost worthy of being in just based on his his self-awareness and his ability to keep himself in, in the public eye for when did Rocky come out? Like 77, something yeah. like that. So almost 40 years at this point. I mean, wow. he's, uh, he's pretty incredible. I would love to tell, I, I want to give you guys a number. You got to let me count here real fast. Though. Well, while you're saying that, I'm going to mention that he also was in over the top, which is a movie about arm wrestling. <laughs> yes. Um, and so I rest my case at that. He has over 215 credits for playing himself. <laughs> which is what's Jeez. more American treasure yeah. like than that. And he also has by my count 31 Razzie nominations. Wow. And somehow I feel like that supports his cause because he's, he's clearly, I mean, Hollywood is telling him you're not good at this and he keeps doing it <laughs> and, and, and making money and being successful at it. So, uh, one of these days, he will be the the Expendables Fast Furious franchise will cross over, and our heads will all explode. And it'll or be Ed awesome. McGruber. Yes, obviously. Oh, I felt gosh. thought that was un, that was. I uh, cannot need, wait need for to McGruber it. to be in the Expendables. <laughs> that would honestly take. That, that would be the highest grossing movie of the year. Think about that. <laughs> because we'd see it if he's every dead. Day if he's dead nine. serious. If they're dead serious, and it's just Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Statham, McGruber. <laughs> Lundgren, Chan. <laughs> yeah, no mention of Will. Ford. Yeah, just none at all. <laughs> oh, incredible! Like that's not that out. Like Stallone would probably be oddly recept- receptive to that idea. Yes, exactly. I think I feel like if we brought that up to Will Forte, he would make it happen. Like he just hasn't thought of doing that. You know, like he yeah. it never. He's like, oh, you're you're right. Oh, <laughs> that should be that. MacGruber two should just be him and the Expendables. Yeah, uh, I would watch that. Uh, I would say yes to Sylvester Stallone as an American trainer. And his name's Sylvester. Yeah. I didn't get enough credit for that. I, I looked to see if that was his real name. It's Sylvester Gardenzio Stallone. So I like is, that his brother, who's always kind of been the lesser of the two, his name's just Frank. Like his parents <laughs> clearly cho- chose early on who was the star. Yeah. He is. Uh, he's an American treasure. I'm, I'm honestly kind of mad that Schwarzenegger's not American because – uh, he would be up there too. I think he's a citizen. As, as far as he, yeah, he was a governor. But you got to yeah. be born in America. That's the rule. No, you're right. right? I know. Otherwise, Dirk would have yeah. been in there. Yeah. 
the, the first... Elijah one, you know. You have to be able to run for president to be an American president. Okay. That's the rule. <laughs> All right. Um, one of these days we'll add a European treasure or honorary American treasure. We need something. to have a we need to op- might need to open a new wing in 2015. Yeah. Well, in I'm order just gonna... of other yeah. other countries' treasures because there's a lot of British actors that are AT quality. It, in 12 years, Dirk Nowitzki will be 50 years old, and I promise you I will bring that up every day until we add some sort of wing to uh, allow him to be an American treasure. Yes. So yeah. might as well because if we send him that. a vest, it doesn't violate our restraining order. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. As long so. as there's no pictures. Then we're, yeah, good. we're good. Right, Brian? You looked into <laughs> yeah. that, right? Yeah, yeah. we're good. Yeah. I'm going well, to bring my nominee to the table, guys, and um, let you guys vote. This is somebody who has been – in the public eye for quite a long time. Uh, he has become a cult icon. He's somebody that David has... Koresh? Oh, that kind of cult. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Close. Okay. Um, he's an actor. He's also a comedian. Uh, he's a dramatic actor. He's also a comedian. He's a musician. His career spawns decades. And uh, like I said... He has become a pop culture uh, phenomenon, especially in the past 20 years. I feel like I should bring uh, him to the table soon before he uh, revokes his status here in the next couple months with a movie. And you'll understand what I'm saying when I say his name. Guys, I bring to the table this week American Treasure Jeff Bridges. Oh, interesting. The dude. Yes. The dude himself. Not a great few years, you know. If you, I think he has an easier way of getting in. Uh, if we had done this four years ago, yeah. right off of Crazy Heart and a few other films that were great, Iron First Iron Man, True Grit, a lot of good stuff. Lately, he's off of Tron Two, R.I.P.D., and this the, the aforementioned masterpiece that comes out here in about a month <laughs> that I, I don't remember what it's called. The Seventh uh, Son. The Seventh Son. That's right. Yeah. Oh yeah, can't wait. But this, but there's still a very good case to be made, Kent, and uh, definitely an awesome dude. <laughs> yeah. So I get the big podcasting bucks, kids. But uh, this is this is tough. This is a this isn't an easy choice. But I'm leaning towards yes. But Brian, I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, it's a yes for me. So I'll I'll make it easy for you. I his resume of late has certainly not been uh, very strong. But I also think there's a certain amount of I'm willing to extend him some leniency based on that's a dude who has done a, <laughs> I see I'm just going to oh. keep throwing it out there. Uh, he's done a ton of work over the last 20 years, 30 years even, and uh, worked. I mean, he works very hard. He seems like he's a someone who really brings it in pretty much every movie that he's in, not counting Seventh Son and Tron Legacy. But I think there's a certain amount of like, okay, you won your Oscar, you're allowed a few years of cash and checks. So. I, I can I can accept uh, I can accept a certain amount of that, uh, and he did follow up Crazy Heart with True Grit, which I think he is a movie that is getting forgotten and should not yeah. because it's really really good, and uh, maybe in twenty years people will appreciate it even more than they did uh, at the time of its release. But he got an Oscar nomination for that too, so yeah. he's a very very good actor. He always seems like he seems like a cool dude. Let's just let's just be honest yeah. and. Uh, that definitely plays into. It. I think he's got a great sense of humor about himself, and he—I don't know—he—he's got some really, he's got some quality credits to his name in the form of Fisher King and Crazy Heart and 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 uh, True Grit. And then he's also got some some great like 
nerdy sci-fi sorts of stuff like Tron and Starman and and things like that. So he's got a, a well-rounded resume, and uh, and I've always enjoyed his work. So he's a he's in for me. Uh, this might be just me, but I've got a few thoughts on this. Definitely, I love Jeff Bridges. For some reason, I don't care for Bo Bridges. Would this be the potential, the first ever <laughs> Piven and American Treasure? <laughs> Close. I can yeah. go with that. Yeah. Secondly, and this is an obsession of mine, and this is all I think about whenever I see Jeff Bridges, um, either as himself or on screen in character. His hair grows at an exceptional rate. Yeah. Because that was a real shaved head in Iron Man. And then he had like long hair like a, like nine months later and something else. Yeah. And my hair grows really slow, so I'm always fascinated at the rate at which his hair grows. Because he can kind of – it's always like a weird – maybe he's rocking awesome wigs like Sam Jackson, but that's that's harder for, for the white man. We, we struggle with that. The wigs don't look as cool on us. No, I think he, I think that's natural. He looks – Yeah, uh, he grows incredible hair so fast. So does – like Bo Bridges has a ponytail now like his mid-back right now. Yeah. I don't like Bo Bridges though. I don't know why. I, don't puts, I think it's his nostrils. <laughs> it's, it's always a, it's always a deal breaker for me than Austin. Unless, well, unless it's Charlie Sheen, I like Charlie Sheen's not well, you know, like eighties Charlie. I like eighties and early nineties Charlie Sheen. But uh, yeah, his nachos are cool, and uh, and Judd Nelson, Bo Bridges and Judd Nelson have evil seeming not in nostrils. You laugh next time you see him, you're gonna yeah. stare at those bad boys, and you'll be like, Richard was right. Nelson in thirty years, that's uh, that's funny. No, it's it's great. He's yeah. a great nominee, yeah. and I also say he was uh, he was the he got a kind of a lifetime achievement award basically here at the Fort Worth Film Festival a couple of years ago, and uh, everybody that I know there just raved about him. Just as far as like just being a genuinely nice person. That's awesome. Here, backstage, so good stuff. Yeah, that's what I've heard. You know, they do that Wabowski Fest every year, mm-hmm. and he just shows up randomly sometimes. They don't like they don't even know he's coming, and he'll just show up. And, uh, you know, it seems like an awesome dude. One of the coolest things about Lebowski, and it's one of my favorite movies ever, but the, one of the greatest things about it is how much he and John Goodman love that movie. Oh, yeah. Like, like, that's like if you saw Jeff movie. Bridges and you were like, hey, the dude, he'd be like, hey, man. You know, he like totally <laughs> yeah. embraces it and everything. And yeah. it's awesome to see. Same I with John Goodman. Yeah. yeah, I always call him Walter Schlobach or, or Dan Connor. He'll always be one of those two. He'll always be. Not Fred Flintstone? No. Uh, no, no. <laughs> uh, the Cyclops. Might need to revoke John Goodman's American Treasure title because of the Flintstones, maybe. <laughs> Not the Gambler? No. I haven't seen the Gambler, so I can't say. Pop for the Gambler. I um, watch them interact. Well, good round of American Treasures, guys, tonight. Yeah, that Three was. inductees. Um, that's it. That's going to be an interesting apartment Strong. with uh, Stallone and Carl Reiner and uh, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, we put them. Some interesting energy know, there. Every inaugural cat, every every uh group that comes in together when they when we have the ceremony monthly uh here in dallas uh that we do force them to share a condo for two nights uh and just see how they interact so yeah we want to hear a a conversation between christopher walken and woody harrelson yeah okay come to the uh party next (laughs) yeah it's a really fun party everyone wears our vest and nothing else let's move on guys and let's talk unbroken hello mother father this is your Louis talking. I am now interned in a Tokyo prisoner of war camp. I can't say this. What it says about America, it's not true. This man must be taught respect. So this is one of the most anticipated films of the year for a number of reasons, guys. We've been tracking this uh, from a movie news, rumors, and rumbling standpoint for a long time. Um, it 
circled a few different directors, a few different writers. Uh, we, we got the news, of course, in Broken the Podcast, the fact that the Coen brothers had been brought in uh, at the end to uh, work on the script a little bit. And one of our favorite people of all time, and one of the most, of course, un- underappreciated people of all time, the movie business, Roger Deakins, shot this film. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't have an Oscar, and probably won't after this year. Uh, with some of the films that have come out that I think are superior films, but this is uh, it's it's good to see Deacons as always. But um, so we've always said, and we you know it was my opinion prior to, to screening this and uh, prior to any reviews coming out or anything that you know if this doesn't work, we'll know why. Um, it'll be because of of Miss Jolie. So I want to ask you guys, and we'll go general thoughts right now. Of course, save spoilers for a little bit later in this conversation, but. Did you like this movie first? How do you feel Angelina Jolie uh, did uh, this time around? Brian? I'm kind of torn on this one because I don't I don't know that this is a I, – I know this is not a great movie and I don't know that it's even a, a very good movie. I'm a fan of this story and I haven't read the book but I've seen enough about it to, to – and I have dug into it enough to get a good sense for uh, – for who this guy was and and some of the stuff that he went through. And uh, I just think it's an amazing story. I think that the acting is really good. I thought Jack O'Connell did a really good job with it. Um, And there's a few scenes that I think worked very well. It's just overall, it's, uh, it's a little too, a little too blindsidey, a little too, we're trying too hard to get an emotional reaction out of stuff. And in the end, I, I think it ultimately failed to to do that. I, you know, I've I've said many times before. I'm a movie crier. I can definitely get into the emotions of a film and, and get, uh, you know, kind of get into that and and be overwhelmed a little bit by by that at times. And I have no no bones about. I make no bones about that, and that's fine. And there's times when I have to come out of a movie and say that definitely got an emotional reaction out of me. But was it a good movie? Uh, because it's, you know, I, I fall for it. I fall for the music and the, and the bits and things like that. And, and that's fine. I have no, pro- I have no problem with the movie doing that. This one <sighs> didn't come through on that. And I was surprised. I expected this was going to be a movie that I, that got to me from an emotional standpoint. And even if it was kind of faux emotion, like movies like this do, like we're all familiar with, with the sort of stuff that the, uh, you guys mentioned in our text prior to seeing the movie, the, the music swells and the specific shots that are designed just to get uh, an emotional reaction and stuff like that. You have to come out of a movie like that and, and decide whether or not it, it worked or not from a movie standpoint or whether you just kind of bought into the uh, the overwhelming nature of the emotion of the film. So I kind of expected that's how this one was going to be for me, and it really wasn't. I didn't get emotionally invested in the movie as a whole, like I said, the story is, is something else. And it's something that you would, uh, I don't know that this gets through the script writing process. If it's not a true story, because that dude just had so much crap happen to him over the course of a couple of couple years. Uh, it would be unbelievable if it wasn't all very, very true. And so I think the story is amazing. I think the acting is really good. The movie as a whole, uh, really came up short for me. And I don't know that it's all Angelina Jolie's fault, but I I would have liked to have seen this movie put into the hands of a seasoned director who maybe had a better feel for how to 
how to get the emotion out of this story because I think it's sitting right there and it just never quite comes through on the screen. So that's an that's a very rambly way to say uh, there's some really good stuff within the movie, but as a whole, <clears throat> I'm I'm not as impressed as I would have liked to have been. Yeah, I I can't disagree with you in a lot of areas, uh, Brian. There's so much potential here. <laughs> um, it's really sort of a shame, uh, honestly, because yeah. this is such a great story. And this mm-hmm. is a once in a lifetime type uh, occurrence, you know, yeah. um, the, the, the fact um, that this happened to somebody. And it's just a shame that the movie we get on it is this. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, uh, not to say that there aren't enjoyable or at least interesting parts of this film, because I will right. admit that, which we'll talk about. You yeah. know, um, enjoyable this, not, might not this, be the right word, but yeah, but the, yeah. oh, not enjoyable, but um, <laughs> you know, I was I was interested I you. in what I I, you know what I'm, I mean, yeah. Um, but this movie should have been an A plus. There's no, I mean, this has an A plus story. If if you're the d- type of director or at least uh, producer yeah. that knows how to tell that type of story, which I agree. I mean, guys, Steven Spielberg should have done this movie. Um, yeah, there's no question in my mind. Uh, somebody at least like him who can do a movie like Jurassic Park and get the thrills, but it can also do a Schindler's list and can get the emotion out of a, a serious situation. And that it just didn't happen here. And I understand Angelina desperately wanted that and, um, just didn't work, uh, in a lot of areas. But, uh, I will admit there, this is a very interesting film, uh, just an interesting story to tell. And that's what kept me into the movie. I won't be grading this one very high, this movie's not a good interpretation of that story. It should have been better. It could have been better, and that's a shame. Absolutely. So, Richard, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I kind of agree with the the general overview of what you guys are saying, but uh, I think my quarrel with it more was less from a directorial standpoint because I thought the performances were were decent. It was more content, not so much a story, uh, but but the actual screenplay itself was kind of jilted in a weird way, mm-hmm. paced in a weird way, and that's the Coen Brothers, which is bizarre. Yeah, um, I actually wrote the screenplay, but it's it's not their best, and you can kind of understand why they maybe didn't direct it on on top of uh, on top of writing it. But uh, yeah, that was some of my some of the pacing was weird, and that's that's directing and 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 uh, screenwriting. But uh, it was just kind of an odd movie, I, and the emotional stuff didn't work on me either. It was it seemed really shallow in a way, and I'll I'll put that on Joey. Maybe I, I don't know. It just wasn't wasn't executed very well. Sure. But uh, I thought a lot of the act. I think she directed the actors pretty well. I thought some of that. There's some pretty good performances in this. Um, in one would think, as an actress herself, and, and one of some. I mean, she has an Academy Award, and some pretty good performances under her belt. That that would be her strength as a director. So I might like to see her do something smaller that's more performance based than mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Um, I think she might really have talent as a director, and I'm all for sure. like. Um, I, I think you know. We have definitely a void of of female blockbuster directors, but you know it's like Catherine Bigelow and no one else. So I, I'm I'm all for Angelina Jolie attempting to make this kind of giant scaled movie because I think sure. that's a really uh, male dominated art form, and I think it would be cool to get some female perspective on those kind of movies. Uh-huh. I just don't think if this was the right material, the story was was really good, but it's some of it is almost hard to film in a movie that would be entertaining. You could definitely film it, but it's hard to make it. A- entertaining in a weird way sure i got gotcha. you uh brian let's talk about specifics on on the dislikes uh first uh specifically what stuck out to you 
it's it's weird. It's a weird. It's a difficult movie for me to even discuss because it's there's not anything like the stuff that's actually just on screen that I can say, man, that was bad or that was a bad scene or that didn't work or anything like that. It just doesn't. It just really lacks some emotionality <laughs> and and some. Um, I don't know. You should feel something when watching this movie, and I didn't. I felt. I didn't even feel it wasn't even depressing. Like it was just like, oh my gosh, we're just floundering in the despair that this guy is going through. Yeah. And it never felt like I don't know, with a movie like this, you you should be it's for me anyway. I, I you sh- I, I feel like you should be just holding on to the hope of whatever good is going to come out of this and how you're how you're going to be able to to figure out the characters going to be able to find their way out or something positive is going to happen. Um, and and at the same time, you should be into is not the r- the right word at all, but you should really feel the impact of the the awful stuff that they're going through at the same time. Does that make sense? I don't know yeah. if I'm if I'm no, making I, myself I, clear. Yeah, I got you. There's just a f- there, there's a feel that should be that has to exist in a movie like this for it to work, and I don't get that. It's all it, it's it's all fairly well shot. I don't think this is one of Roger Deakins' better jobs uh, yeah. as as a as a director of photography it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't even get nominated this time around this is not one of those occasions where we're going to feel outraged that he doesn't win right. an oscar um i didn't think it was a great it, but it was fine it looked fine you know yeah, you the story this next to skyfall and it's like you know. yeah oh totally yeah and so uh you know the beats are are fine i guess and and the you know all of it is fine and the acting is really good and i want to talk specifically about the acting in a minute but it's just an overall feel for the movie that there's just so, there's something missing and and i don't know if it's i don't want to keep harping back on the the emotions of it but there's there's not a weight to this movie that there should be and and I think that hurts it both that you don't get the lows that you should get if you're if you're with this going through this story and you definitely don't get the highs either. And so as a result, it just feels kind of flat. And that's I would imagine that's not what Angelina Jolie was going for. And that's not what the Coen brothers were going for. And it's definitely not what I expected going into the movie. Yeah, there's really two ways to go about this. Uh, when you make a movie like this, you can go about it two different ways. You can go one direction, which would be a more adult, maybe a rated R, more surreal mm-hmm. uh, outlook at this guy's situation, maybe more, more realistic. Duck torture. Uh, yeah, what? Duck has some duck torture in it. They torture <laughs> his duck. Oh. <laughs> That's one of the more noted things, but they left that out of the movie. Yeah, they, they did in the book. I remember. Uh, no, you, know, you know what I mean? You can go a more surreal route. You can right. go the Schindler's List route with this, or you can go an epic, um, right. which is a more family-friendly, music swelly, uh, like we mentioned earlier, type of film. This movie tried to kind of straddle that line. Yeah, I don't know if it really accomplished either of those. It's just kind yeah. of a mess in between of those. Couldn't decide really what it wanted to be as far as those two. Um, yeah. I think this this movie might have benefited from a more serious outlook. I really do. Um, and I, I feel like the cinematography, like you mentioned, lends itself to a more, honestly, more bright, um, cheerful mm-hmm. outlook on this that's film. And I don't know if that's the correct decision. Yeah. It felt very wax. I don't know if that's, sure. that's a good the right to word to say, but it felt very porcelain at times, like the people in it, the mm-hmm. sets, the costuming. Yeah. And um, it almost felt fairy tale like. And maybe that, yeah. maybe that didn't feel. I- Maybe I didn't feel 
as much sympathy for these people because I felt like, as if I was looking at a movie and not a window into the past. Like like yeah. I was for a, a a Saving Private Ryan film, right? Which was set in the same time. It's about the same war, but you know, you yep. feel like you're there. You feel like it's a a, a camcorder shooting the entire thing, you know, and, and that yeah. type of movie. I mean, it's just, it's just, there's just a different way to do these. And this wasn't the right way. Unfortunately, that's a, that's a great way. I hadn't quite put that into, into words, Kent. And that's a yeah. really good way to put it. I also think that the, the flashbacks were really poorly done. Yes. Um, that, that took you out of the situation. And I, I had just come out of, I saw wild like a week before I saw Unbroken, and, and wild. I, I saw uses, that today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wild uses a lot of flashbacks but I feel like they, they were so well done and it, and it fit really well within the movie. And so going from that to this, it just felt like we were moving. I, I don't know. It, it did. They weren't necessary. We could have just started at the beginning and finished. This is not a movie that needed flashbacks in order to succeed. And it takes you out of the situation over and over and over again. And I don't feel like it blended very well. That, that's a, that was yeah. a major, uh, downfall for me while we're on the topic of flashbacks one specific time i believe it's when he uh he thinks they're going to crash the plane and he sort of goes he bows his head yeah and, and he flashes back to when he was in the olympics and it just shows him on the track at the olympics and there's a there's a voiceover that's like jesse owens is now mm-hmm. and it's yeah. very cheesy it is and yeah. uh it just shows him at the olympics and uh then flashes back to him on the plane Mm-hmm. No real significance of the flashback. No, like, didn't remind him of anything. I guess it, maybe he was just flashing back to when he was yeah. a runner. I mean, yeah. there, you know what I mean? Like, there, is that the only way you could have told the audience yeah. that he was an Olympic runner was him flashing back while he was about to crash a plane to him just standing yeah. there? Great. Uh, you know, I, I just, there's so much in the, like, this needs to be said before we move on. You know, there's, and it has to be said with, with every review of this film. There's so much in the book they left out. They should have done a lot of – there's a lot of great stuff about the character of Louis that isn't in there, specifically about his upbringing. I don't feel like they represented his like uh, rebel nature very well. I mean this was a kid that really had nothing going for him at all when he was a child um, and you know, willed himself into being a, an Olympic athlete. Uh, all, they yeah. really, all they really said about that in the movie was a cop bringing him home saying – Yep. Yep. Little, uh, little Louie got in a fight again. Oh, dag. And then mom shakes her finger at Louie. Louie, right. you don't get in a fight. And that was it. You know, there wasn't really any build up to it in his youth at all. I mean, they spend so much of the movie with him on the raft. And I guess we can talk about that sequence unless y'all have anything else to say about the stuff prior to that. Um, prior to when Louie gets on the actual raft. How did you feel the action scenes worked? I, I think some of the airplane stuff worked for me. Um, looked pretty good. Of course, a big uh, emphasis of this film was going to be the, unfor- you know, the part of the story where Louis survives, where Louis' plane crashes and he survives on the ocean in a raft. Mm-hmm. How did you, we've seen films like this in the past, you know, Castaway, Life of Pi in recent years. Uh, how did you feel this worked? As a sequence for you and as a uh, second act, Brian. Well, as we all know, I'm terrified of the ocean. Yeah. So that, yeah. Uh, that, was the, that was about the only part of the movie where I, I, I did feel something because I was, I was kind of terrified the whole time. And, and when they brought sharks into it, it just really took me over the top. I did, it did drag on a little too long. I didn't think exponentially so. 
I don't think the runtime and the time spent in each of the uh, the various awful situations that he found himself in, I don't think that's the issue. It's just the the way that those are presented and the the pacing within those situations, I guess. But it you know it did that was the feeling of okay, is this going to be how this movie goes? Where I'm just I mean we're just going to kind of wallow in how awful <laughs> all of this is for for 45 minutes at a time because I don't know how well I'm gonna. I'm going to respond to that, I guess. But I thought they did a good job of, of showing the desperation that sets in when you're lost at sea and the, you know, uh, yeah. the, the, the physical toll that it takes on your body. Donald Gleason was really good in mm-hmm. that segment and he's, he's not in the movie much, much longer, but, uh, he's, he's really good there. And, and the guy who played Mac, whose name I don't know, uh, I thought did a good, a, Good job there. That was some of the better acting I felt like within the movie. It was it was just these three, and we kind of can focus and uh, and yeah. just just see what they're going through. And uh, I thought that worked worked pretty well uh, compared to some of the other sequences that that came later. Richard, how about you? Yeah, no, I I, I that was probably the most um, professional seeming of of all the sequences in the movie. Mm-hmm. Performances are really good, and that's where I really could see Jolie's talent as a director. Sure. Um, some things you were talking about earlier, the flashbacks and things like that, those fall really at her feet, I think, as mm-hmm. poor choices. But I think she works with actors really well, and I think she got some awesome performances out of this. And in that part, because they are so kind of isolated and things like that, you really get to see uh, that at work. And so um, I, uh, I really enjoyed that part, probably more than any other part of the movie. Yeah, it's truly, uh, in my opinion, the most... Uh, unbelievable part of his story. Mm-hmm. Not the you know it's unbelievable to make the Olympics, and it's unbelievable to be a world record holder and uh, you know a long distance run for your time, and it's unbelievable to be a prisoner of war survivor in World War Two. Right. Even more unbelievable to have survived a plane crash, and then even more unbelievable to have survived on a raft for however many uh, over a month. So incredible, right. incredible story, and the, in my opinion, the most interesting or at least. Um, inspiring part of the film. And uh, I like how they depicted it. You could tell Jack O'Connell and Dom Hall were getting skinnier as the movie was progressing, as the scene was going on. And uh, a lot of commitment from, from them to do that. I don't know how much computer uh, imagery was used there to enhance that, but I could tell that they sacrificed something for this, these roles Mm -hmm. grew long beards and such. So I appreciated that uh, realism there, but yeah, pretty amazing that all they went through. I uh, I guess we should go into spoilers now. Can't really talk much more about uh, this yeah. film without going giving away specific plot points of a film. So here we go. Spoilers coming up now for Unbroken. So turn this episode off if you haven't seen the film yet. Pretty crazy part of the story when uh, the third member, Mac, eats all the food because... It doesn't matter anyway. We're just going to die. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why do you not kill him right there? Why do you not push him <laughs> off the raft at that point? You know? Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. But uh, I felt I felt him. him there. Yeah, seriously. Um, but what a crazy story that was. And I couldn't believe that they were killing sharks and eating them raw. Yeah. I couldn't believe a seagull landed on their ra- little raft out there. Pretty amazing stuff. But... Uh, that worked for me. I kept thinking, and when Dom Hall Gleason's character got a cut on his head, you know, they had the bandage, and they 
they make a this kind of pisses me off about this kind of angers me about Jolie. They make an effort to show the fact that his head is damaged, the fact that it smells, and mm. the fact that they're in shark infested waters. They specifically throw the thing into the water and it doesn't really attract more sharks. Nothing really happens. I thought for some reason that a shark attack was going to happen. You know, they build up to something yeah. there and it never really comes to fruition. It's like, well, why even show us the, the audience that thing? Uh, if nothing really comes of it, you know what I mean? I, I didn't notice that one so much, but there are a lot of kind of throwaway shots within this movie, yeah. especially once they get into the prison camp. Like, I bet there's a dozen instances where the camera specifically focuses on something and then that never comes into play ever within the rest of the story. Like, they make this big case for you think they're going to try to escape. Did you guys get that vibe? Because yeah. I, I hadn't read the book, so maybe I, I just – you guys took a different uh, approach than I did, but – I feel like there were at least a half dozen sequences where they, where the camera specifically lingered on something to give you the impression that they were going to try to escape or overthrow the uh, Watanabe, the the yeah, torturous yes. uh, prison guard or director or whatever, and and then nothing came of that at all, and we just kind of well drift on to something different. So that I think that goes to your point, Kent. With the there was a lot of stuff, and it's not like this is an overlong movie, but you could still trim six minutes off by just throwing away stuff that doesn't matter and ended up not having any impact on anything that happens in the movie. I, I, and I think that's, that's all directorial. I mean, that's, that's yeah, all totally. just like not having a great, uh, understanding yet of what matters and what doesn't matter or what to cut and what not to cut. And, and maybe there was other stuff in there that they did cut, but then they didn't quite edit out all this, you know, this linking stuff. I don't know what the case may be, but there, to your point, Kent, there's a lot of stuff like this in this movie. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, that didn't really work for me. Let's move on to the third act. Louis gets rescued, not the correct word, but found <laughs> yeah. uh, by uh, the Japanese military forces and is, of course, taken prisoner. Something I really didn't think about before, the fact that they pick him up off the raft and immediately throw him into a jail cell. Mm-hmm. You know, like I never really thought about that transition, but imagine going from, you know – over a month off sea on sea with no food immediately into a jail cell in Japan. Uh, pretty crazy to think about yeah. that. Um, so I liked how she uh, depicted that, but uh, Angelina that is, but this is sort of where we get the most acting in the movie. This is where we get the most dialogue. Uh, how did you think this worked? Uh, the third act specifically Richard. Well, one way to look at that, uh, Kent, is, uh, you know, that prison cell probably looked pretty good after being on a raft forever. Uh, sure. I so, mean, I guess. But, so if uh, you're going to go into prison cell. Brian, you, that's the point where I was – I got the – I don't know if it was Brian or Kent that said where I kind of got the – is this how this is going to be? Just 45-minute right. sequences of just beat down after beat down. I have mm-hmm. a beat down kind of quota that I can't, <laughs> right. I will hit and I just kind of check out emotionally and uh as i i'm I'm sure people that actually go through these things go to you just kind of remove yourself from the body because they're so horrific and that was my point there was the japanese that's where i kept really checking the watch was here i don't i honestly can't tell you if it was um better or worse than the rest of the movie i think i was just so beaten down with the length and just downerness of the film so far that i i kind of checked out Uh emotionally at least it 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 didn't if i didn't feel it like the rest of the movie yeah, you can go 
like I said before, you can go two different directions with this. You can go Passion of the Christ. You can go Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah. Or you can go. Don't try to make it Forrest Gump. I wanted to be so euphoric at times, but then I'm watching a guy get tortured. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, it's just yeah. ADD of emotions here. Yeah. Uh, so. It, it definitely needs to find its tone, and unfortunately, it didn't. Like I said, man, I want this. I want this to be remade already. Yeah, <laughs> don't you? Yeah, uh, it, it's a real bummer because O'Connell. I I don't know how you guys felt. I thought O'Connell was really good, and I thought he did a great job. I'm a, I'm becoming a bigger and bigger fan of Garrett Hedlund. Like every time I see him in yeah. a movie, he's he's always so good, and he does these small roles really well. Uh, like inside Lewin Davis last year and and others he always does great stuff. I thought the guy playing Watanabe did a, did an excellent job and that's not an easy role to to play. So the acting is really good. Again the story is really good. There are these moments where you feel like okay something's about to happen that you that is going to give me some feelings, you know, that's going to make something make this kind of have something of triumph and it doesn't ever quite get there. The you know the the scene that's on the poster that's kind of the climactic scene in the whole movie of of uh Louis holding up the the board and everything it's a really good scene but it's not it just lacks the emotion that should go with with a with a scene like that and that's it's I'm with you can it's a, it's a disappointment and I I I I feel like I feel, feel like Louis Zamperini deserves a better movie yeah. about his life but in the end the truth is this is this is just a biopic, and that's this is what we yep, should right. have. Should we should have we should expect from a biopic at this point? Because I don't feel like we ever come on this show and rave about a biopic because it just it's it's not a, a genre that lends it's itself, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't lend itself to good filmmaking so much as it does just laying out a story, um, and that's kind of a bummer. That's a good. This, I, this I honestly. <laughs> Had never thought of this as a biopic till you just said that, and yeah. that makes total sense. That's where that's what biopics have become. Yeah, now. absolutely, uh, and that's unfortunate. Uh, I gotta agree with you. It just doesn't. It's just unfortunate, and uh, Louis deserves better. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's such a story that you're interested in, and you and. Yeah. It just doesn't make – it's just – this is not the best representation of that. And, it's uh, true. And, and that's a bummer because this, this is a good man. This is just yes. straight up just a, American just a great hero. man yeah. and uh, deserves, I think, something better. So if you're, uh, if you're unsatisfied with this movie, uh, go read the book. It's, on my, it's next up on my list or, or research him or, I don't know, go to church because he's, he's making an appearance in pretty much every sermon the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. So check that out because he's, he's a great story. He's a great man. He was a great man. Yeah. The movie just kind of misses on yeah. what could be. And I, I got to say, I totally understand what Angelina is doing here. I n- understand her passion for this man, yeah. this story, this project. So I totally see that. I just wish she didn't choose this to be her first full feature-length film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> d- direct two or three other movies before, you know, buy the rights to it and direct a couple movies, get your chops up a little bit, and then come back to it. This this story is too good for you to this to be your student project, you know. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Give somebody the reins that uh, can bring us the story we uh, we deserve. So let's go on to grades, guys. I'm gonna give Unbroken a B minus, uh, and that's kind of being generous. I think it might it might be a little bit uh, 
below that as far as a uh, a movie. But like I said, I have a lot of love for this story, and I have a lot of interest in uh, certain aspects of this film. So I can appreciate uh, some things about it. So I'll go uh, B uh, B minus on this, uh, Brian. I'm going to go a little higher. Um, as I said at the outset, I'm torn because of the, how great the story is, and I, I really do think some of the acting is very good. Just the movie, just movie making part of it is not so good. So I'm going to, I'm going to fall. So I, I gave it a B plus coming out after talking it out with you guys. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm just going to go with the straight B. Richard, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to go straight B as well. Okay. Wow. I'm going to go B as well. How about we go three Bs? All right. I'll, I'll, let's make it an even three. There you go. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Well, good talk, guys. Uh, this was one of my best picture prediction list movies. Um, yeah. And it's almost about time to come back around and look at that list and see where we stand as far as this year. Because uh, I don't think this one will get a nomination for best picture uh, at all. You know, I, I, I feel like some of the films on there – Wild, I think, will at this after seeing it. Uh, Gone Girl, I think, still has a chance. You know, mm. Boyhood, of course. Birdman is probably the favorite at this point. So it'll be interesting to see what 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 happens. But you know, like I said, this had Best Picture potential written all over it, and it just didn't get there, in my opinion. Yeah. So let's move on, guys. Let's hit a quick weekly recommend. Weekly recommends. Yeah, I'm going to give you a little uh, little sci-fi action here that uh, saw this film uh, a couple weeks ago. I'm, I'm doing my big catch-up of the year, trying to rent as many movies as I can. And so my end-of-year list is is stocked the way that uh, I want it to be. But uh, I saw a, a little movie called The Signal uh-huh. uh, starring uh, Lawrence Fishburne and a bunch of people that uh, you've never heard of. And... Uh, it's a really interesting little movie, and uh, I, I hope that it comes to Netflix soon. I had read that it was going to be on Netflix this month, and then it it did not. So I, I, I maybe I misread, or maybe it just got dropped at the last second or something. But yeah. hopefully it'll come to Netflix. I'm not sure. It's it's definitely a movie that you've got to go out and rent right away. But when it when and if it comes across Netflix or you know HBO or something like that, yeah, I think it's definitely worth checking out. It's pretty. It's it's you know it's an hour and a half long. It's well shot, and I think you would like it, Kent, because it's it's uh, got a really good combination of sci-fi and horror. Oh, cool! Uh, it, it's got that kind of aspect to it. I know you're a fan of that, yeah, that sort of thing. I'm not a huge fan of horror at all, uh, but I but I like the thriller elements of a horror movie, and that's what this this has in spades. I think uh, it's it's very well shot, and I'm assuming the I don't have the budget in front of me, but. I'm assuming it was a very low budget film, but I think they did some really good work. The guy's the the director's name, and he also wrote the wrote the film is William Eubank, and uh, I don't. He's got some small credits. To his I've name. seen uh, a a sh- short film, sort of that. You know, it might have been full length. Uh, Angels and Airwave is a band mm-hmm. uh, did a basically their version of the Wall, okay, uh, surrounding one of their albums. And it was basically about this astronaut who gets stranded on the International Space Station. Okay. So it's all about this astronaut's like uh, struggle with being the only person, basically. Okay. Uh, Start within. the machine is that what it's called? No, it's yeah. called Love. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, and it, you know they shot it for nothing, and, mm-hmm. and he basically shot the thing in his own backyard, 
and he built the whole ISS out of like washing machine parts and stuff. But wow. it's surprisingly well shot and done and uh has you know flashbacks to like the civil war and stuff that he shot like on his own retaining wall and crazy crazy skill shown by this guy yeah Uh, so he you know the signal was sort of i guess his big first feature length uh release and i've heard good things at least about the director it's really cool it's like i said it's not a great movie by any means but we're in this cool era where and this is not news or anything but um big movies are getting handed out to smaller sci-fi directors. And sometimes that's probably not going to work out. Jurassic world looks terrible. And that, you know, is coming off the heels of, of some small sci-fi work for, for Colin Trevorrow. But, uh, but, uh, Gareth Edwards, the guy who did Godzilla, you know, had just done small sci-fi work and there's plenty of examples of stuff like that right now. So this is definitely one of those films where you can see, if somebody gives this guy the right property and the right resources to work with, uh, he might be able to do something really cool because there's even the the special effects look awesome. And uh, yeah. I'm gonna guess this movie was made for under under three million dollars, and maybe that might be high. I don't know, but yeah. four million is what it says on IMDb. So that that's uh, they did some really good work for it. So Kit, you should definitely check it out. And if yeah. you're you're into that kind of sci-fi. Uh, small budget sort of movie, definitely worth a look. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I saw that it was going to come on Netflix, maybe even the first uh, uh, of twenty fifteen, like the first uh, couple days of twenty fifteen. It's a so. perfect Netflix yeah, movie. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm anticipating it. Cool, good to recommend. Uh, I'm going to recommend a timely film for you, gentlemen. Uh, it was one that was rumored to have a re-release this year. Didn't end up happening, unfortunately, because it would have been a fun one to go all together and see. I'm going to recommend, uh, of course, once again, timely, I'm going to recommend Team America World Police <laughs> uh, to the listener. Superior, probably, uh, movie about North Korea uh, <laughs> than uh, the interview, which is debatable. Uh, conversation for another day, but uh, incredible, you know, incredibly funny, written by the uh, writers of South Park, Trey Parker, Matt Stone, and... Um, uses all marionettes of course and uh, you know those guys are geniuses the the songs however inappropriate they might be are you can't deny that they are very well done and and funny and smart and uh there's a lot of great satire in the film and it's very entertaining like i said it's marionettes for god's sake uh you know that they're very famous for saying we thought it would be hilarious to do a movie with marionettes an action movie until they were filming it. And they're like, this sucks because this is impossible <laughs> to film with these puppets. Uh, but it's funny to look back on. And of course, uh, with all that's going on with uh, this rumored North Korea hack, it's uh, interesting to go back and watch it. And nobody really cared back then about that movie at right. all. I don't remember. So uh, it's on Netflix. I will, I will add that as well. So you don't have to go pay and uh, you don't have to go pay search out a DVD or something uh, for it. So Team America World Police uh, recommend for this week. Brian, I mean, Richard. So my my weekly recommend is is actually not – it's for the listeners somewhat, but it's mostly for, for you guys. And it's uh, – you both need to go watch the Entourage trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Because I need yeah. to talk with you about it. And it's, it's a lot of important thoughts I have on this thing. Can't wait. Let me ask you guys while we're uh, – since Richard didn't have a recommend, or I guess that is his recommend. That's, uh, that's my recommend. We'll use this time to uh, ask you, did you get any movies for Christmas? Yeah. A lot of people I, get uh, movies or 
uh, like to stock up on box sets and stuff around that. And you get gifted anything, any criterions, Brian, or anything? I did not get any criterions. I had a couple on my list, but uh, I, I get a small bonus from work every year. Uh, very, very small. And that's what uh, that's usually earmarked for is just kind of catch up on the Christmas list. You know, it's usually right. Criterion movies or something like that. I got uh, Edge of Tomorrow or Live, Die, Repeat, however yeah. you want to call it. I got 22 Jump Street. Nice. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2. And uh, I got the first season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine on DVD, which I'm really nice. stoked about. Is that I don't know if you guys kept up with that. That show got really, really good. Yeah, towards the back I've heard season two is awesome. It's been yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's really. I mean, there's no parks right now, so it's there's not much to to fight against it. But for me, it's the funniest show on TV right now. Okay, I need to get catch up on it. I really yeah. do. It's really funny, really funny, and they're and they're finding it. I mean, it's it's very typical of every Michael Schur uh, production. Like it's finding its legs, and they're figuring out which characters work and which don't, and all that. And it's uh, so it's they really killed funny. off Chelsea Peretti. Yes, no. She's gotten good because I okay. was I was I was against her in the early going, but they figured out with her and a couple of other characters like how to use them correctly. Cool. I think so. Definitely worth your time. Fantastic. There's a second. There's a there's a recommend to, to throw in place of uh, Richard's recommend if you want. <laughs> Kent, uh, what? Well, my my recommend's way more important to Obviously. society at large. But Kent, what about you? Did you get any <laughs> movies for Christmas? I did. I got uh, a few Blu-rays. I got uh, Godzilla. Nice. Which I'm ex- excited about going back and watching. Yep. Uh, and I also got The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly on Ooh. Blu-ray, as well as Platoon. So nice. Excited uh, to, of American course, Treasure Charlie Sheen. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> the only person in history who might qualify for all three of our categories at some point <laughs> or another. Yeah. Piven, O'Malley. <laughs> yeah, he and, started out as an O'Malley. He moved yeah. into an American Treasure, and now he's definitely a Piven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The career go. trifecta for Mr. Sheen. <laughs> could be same could be said about Clint Eastwood. Uh, That's but, true. Um, so yeah, those are the movies I got, and uh, always good get to any. get. I didn't get any. I got a Banksy coffee table book though. Kent, you might enjoy that. Oh, you did. I did. Interesting. What What do you mean? Like he like a art piece type coffee? No, or, it's I mean mostly it's just got like a a painting on it. It's just a book of a lot of his street art. Oh, coffee table book. I yeah, thought you said coffee table. No, it's like a Banksy coffee table. <laughs> no. That sounds interesting. No, it's just a yeah. coffee table book of, of some. Of These some are really art. cool. Yeah. Side recommend the Banksy uh, documentary. What exit exit through the gift shop? Yeah. Yeah, he is. He is just a really really cool guy. Yeah. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff as always. Brian Gill, where can we find you online? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill12, or you can find my writing at canbabiesdrinkredbull.com, and I've got some uh, some writing features, some some movie related writing features headed that way uh, in the next few days. So I'm, I'm I'm excited about that. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden. Kent, where can I find you? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison, and find our show online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. And you can find all of our episodes on there. Uh, again, you can only find the most recent 100. Uh, on iTunes. If you want anything further back than that, you're going to have to scroll back and look for them. Trust me, they are there. We have a lot of a lot of podcasts. And, yeah. um, I, and hey, I'm, we, we it's been a while since we've asked. If you're if you're listening to the pod and you're really enjoying it, we so appreciate that. Leave us a review on iTunes. Yes, we'd, yeah. we'd love to, and we'll we'll start. We'll be better about reading reviews and stuff like that in the coming weeks. But uh, we really do uh, love your support, and we we'd love for you to send that stuff to iTunes for us. And always feel free to email us. We yeah. all three will email you, talk to or you, or tweet us. We, yeah, we're pretty vocal back to you guys. So feel free to let us know what we can do and just engage us. We, Boom. We like that. 
It's been uh, it's been great, and uh, once again, appreciate everything. And looking forward to next week, guys. Uh, yeah. But until then, I will see you at the cinema. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling and tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya. The silence is They're calling again.